Hi, this is Jeff, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm glad you've chosen today to listen to our podcast, to tune into what God is doing here. I hope this encourages you. I hope it enriches your life. I hope it causes you to draw even closer to Jesus. Enjoy. God, I just uh, I thank you for the direction that you're taking us, Lord. I didn't plan it, which is even better. You intervened and you spoke and you said that you want us to understand our position in your realm, in your kingdom. And so, Father God, as I unveil some things that you revealed I pray first and foremost that it would be clearly articulated amazingly understood and an expression lived out. I pray that today this message would be the most other than A salvation message would be the most life-changing message that is heard to date in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So to talk about worship, I've got got very random notes this week. And most of you know I'm pretty structured in my notes. I I don't know if you've paid attention to that, but I generally have a good outline. If you take notes... I don't know if any of you do, but those that take notes generally can take notes. I think, I would think, can take notes pretty easily because I give you good points. I have no points. I just have random thoughts and ideas. Uh, Scattered scriptures, but ultimately going to lead us to one point and idea. Um, And that uh, point and idea is centered in this one frame in worship, and that's the supreme call. The supreme call. Our call, our sole purpose, I'm going to fix this all for every one of you in this room. What is your call in life? What is your purpose? Now, some would look at me and say that I'm living out my calling, and that is to pastor Word of Life Miami here in northeastern Oklahoma. But I'm going to tell you that might be what I am doing in service on behalf of what God has for me towards helping people. That is not my calling. Did I just ruin somebody today? Are you like, no, I don't understand what you're talking about? No. My calling is to be a priest or a worshiper. Every one of us is, we're going to talk about today, our supreme calling is to be priests unto the Lord. Now, I know that seems a little weird because you might think, what, we're Catholic all of a sudden and I have to give up what? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm not talking about priests in the aspect of um, religious order. I'm talking about priests as in our duty to offer something to God. That's what a priest does. They offer something unto a God unto God. Um, in Old Testament times, the priests in the order of Levi would offer 
the sacrifices unto God, making the people, even if it was just for a moment, worthy to encounter God. Now, under the order of, I'm going to use this name, Melchizedek, and that's not part of my message, nor is it necessary for us to fully wrap our brains around today, but under this idea that under what Jesus has done for us, he has made the final sacrifice so that we don't offer anything to God making ourselves or or making something worthy that we can enter into the presence of God. Now all we offer is ourselves as a sacrifice to be able to worship him. You follow that thought process? So we are no longer needing to make ourselves worthy. We now need to make ourselves available. And that's, that's what worship is, is making ourselves available as an expression for giving God something that he deserves. And I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but none of us is really that amazing enough a sacrifice. But yet, from the beginning of time, he desperately wanted to encounter every one of you. I can't imagine anyone that would really want to spend any time encountering me, but God has a burning desire and passion to spend time with me. And that's what worship is about. And it's not singing, however we sing. It's about giving him worth in everything that we do. So our supreme calling is to minister to the Lord. And the thing that happens when we minister to the Lord is we learn some very specific things. And uh, we haven't gained it yet, but you've experienced a little bit of it. And that is what we learn about the prophetic. We learn in worship. What we learn about healing, we learn through worship And believe it or not, what we learn from the scriptures is we open it up and we divulge it and we read it and we seek to know God and understand Him more. It all stems from worship. Everything that comes from God, everything that we desire to know about about God and experience from God, everything that we want in capturing the fullness of who God is, what He has for us, and the expression of who God is, comes from the beginning of, and I will later say the end is, worship. Why? Well, worship is where you give value to something. Our expression of worth is not merely a song, but it is through whatever we give value to. And in this case, we give value to Him. And the amazing thing is, this is where the Lord invites us in. This is the greatest invitation ever. This is where He says, come on in to the inner circle. This is where he says, come on into the conversation. Come on in to where I begin to reveal things to you about yourself, about your circumstances, about your community, about your family, about your future, about your current situation. You want to know what's going on? Get into worship. You want to know where to go? Get into a place of 
worship. You want to experience healing in your life? Get into worship. You want an overflowing abundance in your life? Give as an aspect of your worship. I'd venture to say everyone in this room does worship. But I might ask you, what are you worshiping? You see, everyone in here worships something. Some are family, some are businesses or jobs, money. Some might even worship yourselves. Yourselves? That's a word, yourselves. It's my podunk redneck word for the moment. But we're all called to worship God. But God in his mercy designed for every one of us to find our fullest expression in life. Listen to that. Our fullest expression in life. Are you feeling empty? Are you feeling like you're missing out? Are you feeling like something's just not connecting? Will God design for us to find our fullest expression in life? To stand before him. And not just stand before him. but To stand before him in worship. And not just stand before Him, and not just stand before Him in worship, but to stand before Him in worship, accepted. You see, that is what happens. And that's why we're called to it. And that's why He wants us there. And that's why He has His best intentions for us. And it stems from that moment, that place, that encounter, that expression called Worship, giving Him value in everything. It's the invitation to Him to say, come, permeate. I like that word. Come, be involved. Come and have your spot, your place, your moment, your everything, your existence. Be the center of everything that I do. Be the most valuable thing in my life. Be the moment of connection through everything. You see, God is in this place of worship. He's destined for every one of us this encounter. And the way I know that is He is actually seeking us out in a connection of worship. He's looking for you and for you and for you. Not just in you as yourself, but you in your identity as a worshiper. He wants to look at you, Katie, and not just call you Katie, but call you Katie the worshiper. Donnie, the same for you. And I could mention everybody's name in the room today, but listen to this scripture found in John 4, 23 and 24. It says, but the hour is coming and is now here. Do you catch what's going on in the verbiage here? It's today. It's here. It's happening. It's upon us. It's not tomorrow and it's not yesterday. It hasn't passed us. The the, the scripture says it's coming and it's now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such people to worship Him. He's looking for you and you and you, and the time is upon us, and the time is today. The moment is now, the expression is upon us, and He's called you unto Him to be that people. And God is spirit, in verse 24. And those who worship Him must also worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for us, the worshiper. And it's in our praise where God is enthroned. It's where he sits upon his throne. It's where he is allowed to inhabit 
what we are doing. It's what I've been talking about for the last couple of minutes. It's where he invades every aspect. Psalm 22, 3 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Some translations say of your people. Other translations say that uh, as far as that word enthroned, it's inhabited. He makes a habitation. And that habitation isn't just like I come in and I move in. No, it's I come in and I take up absolute domination of what's going on in this place. Do you want change in your household? Do you want peace to take over your home? Do you want things to change in the atmosphere of what's going on in your life, in your job, in everything around you? Allow him to inhabit or be enthroned in your circumstance. And how? By the praises that you offer him. And you see, we think that maybe we need to worship as a means to get somewhere. But we don't worship as a means to an end. Worship is the end. It's what we were created for. Did you know you actually will be like what you worship? That's kind of cool. You'll be like what you worship. And our biggest goal as Christians is to be like him. Would you agree with that? Our biggest goal, my biggest goal is to be like Christ. And how, what's the best way to do that? Worship him. With that in mind, we were designed to worship him. And we are transformed by the time and exposure in the presence of God. That's why what we do here is not enough. And I would love to go two and three, maybe four or five hours in absolute worship. And I don't think we've ever really encountered absolute worship in this place. Because if, I, if we did, none of us would want to go and our kids would not be a problem. And I'm not saying our kids are a problem, but you know what I'm saying. They wouldn't be a distraction to some of us. They, they would be fully engaged in what was going on in this place. But transformation comes by time and exposure. And time and exposure has to happen throughout the week. It has to happen Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon. It has to happen Thursday, midday, and Saturday. Every time we take a moment to turn our affection of our heart towards the Lord, we are being changed. What I've described you is what it is to be priests. We are called to be priests, which is our act of worship. You see, before priests could even offer or uh, go into the very presence of God, they had to go through a transformation. According to Fawcett's dictionary, uh, the definition of priest mentions four characteristics of a priest. Number one, they're chosen of God. Pay attention to these things. They are chosen of God. They are the property of God. Well, I'm my own thing. Well, then you're not worshiping. They are holy to God. And the priest offers gifts to God. And they take back gifts from God. Isn't that cool? So they're chosen, they're property, they're holy, and they offer and they receive. You see what's happening here as priests in worship? You see that God has chosen us unto him. He's made us his Then he has made us right so that we can encounter everything he wants for us. And then as we offer him ourselves, he then gives him back. 
all of himself to us, at least as much as we can handle. Check this out in 2 Peter 2, 1 through 12. It says, Put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that they that by it may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, do you see what I'm describing here? This definition of what it is to be a priest? For it stands in verse 6 in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, a precious stone, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Describing Jesus. And in verse 7, So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And check this out in verse 9. But you, say me, me, this is, this is I'm, I'm talking about you right now. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Listen to this, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Can you believe that all of this time I've been setting the stage for that verse right there? And once in verse 10, you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So look at verse 9 with me for just a minute. In here, there's five things, but really the four describe very clearly the description of what it is to be a priest, as I outlined, or I should say as Fawcett outlined in his definition of what is a priest. Number one, you're chosen. You're a royal priest. You belong to him. You are to praise him, and you are called out of darkness. I don't know about you, but I, I say sign me up for that kind of life. I want to be chosen by God. I am chosen by God as a royal priest. I Hey, the Bible very clearly states that he has my best intentions in mind. Very clearly it says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. I think that if I can belong to somebody that has that idea, those kinds of intentions for me, I'm okay with that. So I can belong to him. I'm called to praise him. And if praising him pulls me out of darkness and the description is into his marvelous light, I'm good with that. I'm great with that. What's wrong with this life that I'm describing? Absolutely nothing. But yet, why do we deny this life? But we do. I want to be careful. We, I should say, need to be careful not to deny what God has ordained for you. Because it's in his ordaining for you that you find the true blessing. 
And we are all called to be worshipers. That's our calling. We're called to be priests unto him. But yet there was a scenario whereby people decided that they would rather do instead of receive. They'd rather be stuck in ritual instead of in grace. They would rather live out a life of rules and regulations instead of living a life of encounter. Well, let me tell you about that. Think about the Israelites back all the way back at Exodus and the wandering as they are leaving captivity. The Israelites, as they're leaving captivity from Egypt and they're wandering in the desert, they have an encounter with God in a very, very real way and it kind of freaks them out and they lose their perspective. And in Exodus 19, these aren't going to be on there for now, but in Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6, it says, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him and out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house, house of Jacob. Tell the people of Israel. Tell them something. This is significant that you need to tell them. Tell them, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore on you eagle's wings and brought you out myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people. For all the earth is mine and you shall, you shall be my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Sounds like a great promise. We already know what it means to be priests in God's people. We already know that it sets us up for a place of abundance, prosperity, hope, healing, restoration, and encounter. The things that I want so desperately, not just for me, but for everyone in here in this place today. It's what I want for this church. It's the passion and the hope that I have for northeastern Oklahoma that God would look at us and say, you shall be my kingdom of priests and you shall be a holy nation. What an awesome thing. Just a few verses later in Exodus 20, it says in verse 18, Exodus 20, 18, it says, Now when the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. Imagine that encounter. Imagine how that goes in this place, that Alana has led us into such an incredible encounter with God, that he has shown up in such a real way that this place is thundering, and it's not this subwoofer behind me, and it's not the multi-track blaring, and it's not your pastor getting on to the, the thingy and turning the stuff up entirely too loud, that it is the very presence of God that is established in here in a tangible, I've used this word one other time that I know of, it's called Shekinah, that his Shekinah has shown up in this place. That's a a non-English word that we don't really know how to wrap our brain around. But he has shown up in a tangible, like this is tangible chair, God is tangible in room kind of way. They are seeing the, the flashes of lightning, the thunder. He is here. There's, there's talks in the Bible about where he shows up and, and things like bushes burn. Stages get so hot that you can't stand on it. Oh, I say bring it. I, I say let's have those kinds of encounters with God that he freaks us out. By the way, there's a psalm that says God can do whatever the heck he wants to do. I, I believe we're going to read it here in just a minute if I... If I, if I put it in here, and he's more than welcome to do those things that we cannot explain. If you look at me and say, well, I just don't think 
that that's God, and I can say I don't think that it matters because God can do whatever the heck he wants. But So we've got this set up here, and he's doing this, and it says, And the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. And Moses says, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let, this is the people, sorry, I said Moses, but the people said to Moses, You speak to us. Who are they talking to? God or Moses? God. Oh, no, Moses. They're talking to Moses. The people say, To Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. And the moment that freaks the crap out of me, I'm going to say that that strongly. I pray that you all never come to me and do this because we'll just shut down and go somewhere else. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses tries to change the mind. He says, do not fear God. He's come to test you. The fear of God that we need to have is one that keeps us from sinning, but it's not a fear of God that makes us want to reject his voice. You see, what they had done is they had traded encounter with God, the voice of God, the priestly encounter with God for rules and regulations. They said, I would rather have my actions say that I'm probably okay with you than just to sit and hear his voice. They denied what God had ordained for them, which was an encounter with his voice. His voice deals with his nature, deals with what he wants to do. His voice is the clarity of direction he has for your life. It's the creating power of who he is It's the thing that tells us who we are. It's the voice that our children want to hear when they're fearing what is going on. Daddy, Mommy, tell me I'm okay. Tell me the storm's not going to hurt me. Tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me, tell me. When they traded that in for someone else to tell them, as long as eat right, live right, do right, someone else can encounter God for you. And we're, we're guilty. Every one of us as a church, myself included, we're guilty of letting someone else encounter God for us. We're guilty of looking at the worship leader or the pastor and say, wow, that was a good service. Did you see how They were moved in the presence of God. I got goosebumps watching them worship 
God. I got goosebumps seeing how someone else, did you see how the children were dancing in the presence of God? Instead of yourself just letting go and saying, God, I've got to hear your voice. I've got to have an encounter. I've got to know who you are. I cannot anymore wait for someone else to speak to me. I have got to hear from you. And it comes from worship. It comes from your priestly encounter from God because when we come to Him as priestly people, these people that God has ordained as priests, it's where we enter into His presence and He looks at us as chosen, as those who belong, as those who are completely His those who are not only offering him something, but those in whom he can then turn around and offer something back. It usually starts with his voice, because his voice brings peace, correction, and direction, and wisdom. And the things that follow his voice transform everything. You see, the priestly ministry isn't just based on the song we sing, but on our heart to hear his voice. It's an exchange I have with the Almighty God to encounter his glory. And when I encounter his glory, I come in and he sees Jesus. Did you catch that? I enter in and he doesn't see my failures, my faults, and my screw-ups. He sees Jesus because of the blood of Jesus. As I read earlier, John 4 says God is looking for worshipers. By the way, he's not looking for your worship. He's looking for you as the worshiper. Let me just simplify something or take some pressure off. The Bible is also very very clear, and it says that all of us, every last one of us, has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So he's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to call on Jesus. And he's looking for you to be a worshiper. We were designed, however, to experience his glory And at the time we were born again, at the time we found Jesus, we were equipped to experience that glory. Again, he is looking for worshipers. Just a brief, brief touching in Ezekiel 44. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can go back. It's on the screen. It doesn't need to be on the screen. But Ezekiel 44, 15 and 16. Go back and look at this. There's this comparison of priests that got it right and priests that didn't. Priests that ministered to God and priests that ministered to the people out of the wrong motivation. Both were allowed to do their jobs, but only one of them did God say, come near to me. Come near to me. The idea is we minister to God as priests. The blood of Jesus qualifies us to minister to him. When we worship, there are three realms that we do this. And I talked about this briefly last week. Through thanksgiving, through praise, and through worship. And I'm going to 
wrap up a little bit through these things. Not quite wrap up. My first close. My first of two closings. Okay. Is this not powerful? Is this not like, oh, makes me want to like shut up so we can go do this for a little bit. But I, I, I want to give just a little bit more explanation and then we're going to do this for a few minutes. It says, uh, the three realms that we worship God is through thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Psalm 100, 1 through 5 gives us a great picture. It says, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. If you really knew, if you really had a revelation of who and what we were singing about and to, it would be very easy for us to make a noise, for us to make a shout, for us to get a little crazy. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. By the way, you hear me say it all the time. When we enter this place, we're not inviting his presence in. His presence is always here. We're, we're praying that we would be aware of what God is doing already in this place. So we, we don't enter this place and ask him to come in. We enter his presence already here with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And right here in verse 4 it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. There's one element of, or one of the realms that we worship. His courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness is to all generations. And then backing up one psalm to Psalm 99.5. And it says, exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. You see, we thank him for what he has given us. We get into the gates. We, we come towards him. We praise him for all that he has done for us. We come into his courts. And we worship Him for who He is. We sit at His feet. Our exchange as priests before Him encompasses all three. We can't stop at one, but we must move through all three. Thanksgiving only gets us through the door. But if we want an encounter, we've got to move through the door into praise. And if we want to know His true presence, we've got to get to worship, which places us at His feet. Psalm 115, verses 3-9. through it says, our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. There's that scripture I told you I was hoping I was going to get to. This is that idea that he can do whatever the heck he wants to do. If he wants to demonstrate with weird things that we cannot describe or explain, I say, so be it. If you want to look at me and say, I don't know about that, but yet it's God, he can do what he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold. The work of human hands, they have mouths, but do not speak eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so all who trust in them. The idea is they're making idols, and they have no life in them whatsoever. But when you make these idols, these things to worship, remember, we all worship something, right? When we make these things to worship, All we're saying is, I trust this. But the plea of the psalmist here is, O Israel, trust the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So ultimately, when it comes to worshiping, when it comes to this idea of 
supreme call. I said it was to be priests. But our supreme call is ultimately to trust. To trust God. And my very last thing I'm going to say is this. Trust. Found at the feet of Jesus. The most vulnerable vulnerable position that we can have at his feet. Neck down, exposing us. If he had a sword and was malicious against us, he could take our head off. But he is never that way towards his own. Trust is a final expression of true worship. you please click the subscribe leave some feedback Uh, should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma feel free to go to our website wlmiama.com that's w-l-m-i-a-m-i.com click on the give tab and it'll walk you through some steps right there god bless you and until next time